All right, we're going to jump in. Sorry to break up the good conversation, even through the masks. Y'all are doing a, y'all are doing a good job. Um, so we are continuing on in our series where we're walking through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read our text uh, this morning, and then uh, we'll, jump, we'll pray and then jump in after that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the verses uh, will be on the screens or you can uh, follow along in your Bibles or in your apps if you want to. 1 Corinthians is about, oh, three-fourths of the way through the Bible, or even maybe a little bit more, um, towards the um, middle to end of the New Testament. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to go through verse 13. This is Paul. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful, But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And with, that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands, When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, I ask this morning that you would change us as a result of spending time in your word and and sitting under your word. I pray that we would um, just remember that this is your very word. This is you revealing yourself to us and you are a perfect God. So this, this, this uh, passage we're reading is, is from you, and it has power. And I pray that we would put ourselves under your word for the next 30 minutes or so and, and learn, and, ask this, and we ask the Spirit that you would help us grow as a result of spending time in your word this morning. And we love you. Um, it's for your glory and our good. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to do a quick poll. I know you all love these, but I need some hands here. Um, who in the room um, enjoys watching or at least watches one like talent type show where there's judges on TV? Like who watches that? Okay. So over half the room, over half the room. Um, so my, my thought this week is why have these shows really taken off in the last 15 or 20 years? Like why do people get into these shows so much? Like American Idol or The Voice or cooking contests where there's judges or baking shows. Like, what, what is it that makes us at home as passive viewers get so into this? 
And I think the reason is, is we love to evaluate. We love to judge. We love to judge. And so when we're watching these shows, we, we, we enjoy watching the, the really good singers. Let's say if you're watching American Idol, really good singers. Or maybe um, you, you kind of enjoy watching the train wrecks on the show, too, if you really had to be honest. When, like, there's just, and they just show them, and you, know, you kind of feel bad that you're laughing at them, but it, it is really kind of funny. Um, but that's not the point. I don't think that's why we watch the show, because if not, they would just throw concerts up on TV at night, and you would watch bands play at concerts on TV. That's not why. We watch because we want to make judgments or we want to evaluate the people we're watching and we want to see and compare if we're affirmed by the professional judges like Simon Cowell and other people. And so we enjoy kind of comparing our notes to his notes and really seeing how he speaks to them and whether his judgment is correct or not in our eyes. And I think that's a clear example of, of, of that we are evaluators. We love to judge. And, and I think it's, it's human nature. It's the way we're wired. And there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Evaluating is how our brain works as we navigate the world. We go throughout our day and live life. Our brain is always sending signals to our body, and it's evaluating, evaluating the stimuli in the, in the world around us. And it's just this constant evaluation. But I think where we get off is where we put ourselves in the judge's seat, when we give too much authority to our evaluation. We think our judgments or our evaluations are infallible. They're without error. They're perfect. Or when we don't question our evaluation. If you just think about how you evaluate things in a given day or whenever, like you, you, where we're so tunnel vision in our life, we, we see, we, we have blind spots, we're looking at one thing, we have experiences, we're just one person, we, we're not omnipresent, we don't have all the angles, we can't see everything that's happening, but yet, we sometimes act like we do when we evaluate things. It's just very black and white, and we're, and we're not good, and I'm not good at kind of filtering the evaluations as I'm seeing things and saying, now wait a minute, is this right, is this wrong? Is there another angle to this? We don't do that very well as human beings. Even some of you coming into this room, you're making evaluations. You're making judgments. You're, you're, you're thinking it's too hot or too cold in here. The lights are too bright or too dark in here. Or you're, you, you hopefully you're evaluating me, me, me preaching in some way. The, the good evaluation of me would be, am I, am I sticking to God's word and am I preaching the gospel? Uh, maybe some more trivial evaluations would be what I'm wearing or my, my stories or am I funny? And those aren't nearly as important evaluations as the good evaluation. So evaluations can be good or bad, and oftentimes, we just have to understand where we're coming from with those evaluations. And what Paul is going to tell the church of Corinth today is that because God is the ultimate and perfect judge, we should be careful how we judge others and how we judge ourselves, how we evaluate others and how we evaluate ourselves. He's not, he's not saying do not evaluate or do not judge. He's not saying that. He's saying in light of who God is, be careful how we evaluate. Be careful how we judge. And I would say that how we evaluate ourselves and others is directly tied to how much freedom and joy we experience. And around here, we believe that freedom and joy is what every human being seeks, whether you're in the church or not in the church. Everybody is chasing freedom and everybody is chasing joy. We're just finding it in different ways. And so the Bible calls us to find that in God. And so part of Finding that in God is how we evaluate. It's really, really important. And we'll see that as we move through 
the text. So verse 1, we're going to start off here. Paul is kind of setting us up well here. He tells us kind of exactly what he's going to talk about in verse 1. He says, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So he quickly here is reasserting his role. He's reminding them. Remember, Paul, was, Paul planted this church. He's probably been gone for about five years. Um, so he's reminding them who he is. He's reasserting his role in their life. Let's look at verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, Paul is saying. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. So what Paul is saying here, the main, the main aim for him is to be found faithful in God's eyes. Like that's his one thing. That's his one goal. His one aim is to be found faithful in God's eyes. And he's going to leave the evaluating. He's going to leave the judging up to God. He says, it's God's, it's God's role. I don't, I don't know if I'm acquitted yet. I don't know if I'm guilty. That's, that's God's uh, business. And so I'm really not concerned with what you think of me. And he's not saying he doesn't care what they think of him. I think he does because he's a leader, right? But he's saying in comparison to, to God, who's the ultimate and perfect judge, your opinion is, is, is nothing. It's in comparison to God's opinion. But he's gonna, we're going to see next week, he, he does care what they think of him, but he's saying it pales in comparison to what God thinks of him in God's judgment. And he also says, he, he, he says, as apostles, which are leaders in the church, he says that they are servants. That's the one kind of label he gives himself. Uh, we're servants, which in that context, this is a, a, like a household servant. It's a very humble role. When they would have heard Sir, especially in, in the Corinthian church here, they would have heard servant. This would have been like a household servant. And it would have been, a, 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 Paul's putting himself down in a sense by giving himself that role, especially with that word. And then it says that he's also trusted or there's, he's, he's stewards, uh, a steward of the mysteries of God. Mysteries of God here means the gospel for sure and probably just any words that proceed from God. Any, any revelation that comes from God, Paul is a, is a spokesman for God. He's an ambassador for God. He, he's a teacher and leader on God's behalf. So he's a servant, but he's also a steward or he's been entrusted with the gospel. He's been entrusted with God's word that he's proclaiming to churches. This is who he is. Let's look at verse 5. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart? Then each one will receive his commendation from God. And Paul is saying here, this may be the most important verse of the whole passage. He's saying here that humans are limited in their evaluation. We can't disclose the purposes of the heart. Like, right, like we would all agree with that. We cannot judge or evaluate accurately what is, what's going on inside of someone, the purposes of the heart. The Paul says, or bring to light things that are in the dark. Like we can't, if someone's hiding something, if someone's keeping something from us, very rarely can we just, without any other um, tips or, 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 or clues, we can't see what's going on inside of a person. Paul's saying, that's, oh, that's only God's thing. Right? But it, the temptation is, is to uh, make ourselves the ultimate authority when we evaluate or when we judge something. But we have to understand that God is the ultimate judge. He's the cosmic judge. He's the ultimate authority on everything. 
Unless our evaluation is done in light of him and through the lenses of his eyes, then it is going to be inaccurate. It is not going to align with reality. It's going to be false. It's going to be incomplete. Or it's going to be an outright lie. And that part of this whole passage is Paul trying to get the Corinthian church to understand, and for us, that, that we're, we're fallible. When we evaluate, when we judge something, we don't have the complete picture. So be careful, he's saying, and don't take God's job in that way. Now, it's, 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 it, we can't completely not do this, right? So I think the application, we'll get to it later, um, if, if, uh, kind of tease it out later, is that we need to think through the lenses of God. We need to consider his authority and what he thinks about things when we make evaluations or judgments. Now, there are a couple of applications here. I think not, not primary applications, but I think a couple here that I want to touch on. One, the application for the church in Corinth, and for us, is that we are to evaluate leaders based on their faithfulness and not on their gifting, their, their, their appearance, or their charisma, right? We should, we should base our value judgments on leaders in the church based off their faithfulness, not on those other things. And the application for leaders is to understand that we've been entrusted with God's work. That's our primary job. That's our primary role is we're stewards of God's word. We're stewards of the gospel. It's not our message that we've been entrusted with. It's God's message that we've been entrusted with. And this is why that if I, from this position as the preacher, if I ever start preaching something different than the gospel or God's word, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. I should go I should be, uh, go, go speak at different things or communicate in different environments. But as long as I'm preaching God's word, I'm a steward of God's word. I'm a steward of the gospel. God's entrusted me to that. And that's how I should apply this passage as a leader. Okay, verse six, let's keep going. I have applied all these things to myself. So Paul's being a good leader. He's saying it and then he's applying it to himself. I've applied all these things to myself and, and Apollos, who if you remember is another leader. Uh, that helped um, in the church at Corinth, known very well, evidently, in this church. For your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. So don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, he's saying. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? He's just saying here, everything you've been given is a gift. So how can you boast when you've been given a gift? That's silly. We think about we get this amazing gift. Think about it just in everyday life. We get this amazing gift, and then we, we, get, we become proud because we receive this gift. I am, I'm so awesome, and that's why they gave me this gift. Or I'm so great, I earned this gift. Or I was such a great friend that they had to give me. No, we don't think that way. That, it ceases to be a gift if that's our attitude, and that's what Paul's saying here. Don't act like you received the gifting and the blessing and all these things, the wisdom that you just, you just came up with it yourself or you earned it. All of that was a gift from God. Listen to this quote from Stephen. Um, he's a commentator. I think this is uh, really helpful. Uh, this sums up our common experience of evaluation. Premature judgments made by self-appointed authorities who possess limited knowledge of the situation and whose opinion holds no true weight. However, once placed into the evaluative cycle, these evaluations feel as if they hold all the weight in the world. If we buy into the cultural storyline of glossy magazines, this is a little bit dated, you can think of like polished social media 
accounts, right? Glossy magazines, polished social media, high expectations, striving, achieving, grabbing, climbing, ascending, conquering. These evaluations become our bread and butter. This is what we look to for sustenance. That's what his bread and butter there means. Or they tragically become our poison. The Corinthians had bought this evaluative storyline, hook, line, and sinker. I think if we were honest, we buy into these kinds of things as well. We evaluate ourselves and others based on the external values of the culture around us. Like, well, this is what we're prone to do. We see things that the culture values, and then we start to see other people through the lenses that our culture gives us. And here's what this happens when, when we do that for ourselves. Like, when, when we evaluate ourselves in light of what the culture's telling us, when we're actually um, performing up to our evaluative standards, when we're performing up to that, we feel really good, right? Probably even proud, probably even self-righteous. But that's short-lived because we, we, there's no way we can actually continue to perform up to our standards. And eventually, we, we get exhausted trying. This is the exhaustive way to live, to create an evaluation standard for yourself or for others even, and then expect that to keep up day after day after day, perform, perform, perform for some made-up evaluative standard that you've given yourself. And we just keep or when we fail eventually, which we all will, right? We fail our own standard, then you just become shameful. You feel ashamed. You just feel this deep sense of, 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 of devaluing and maybe you're unlovable because you didn't keep up with your standards. You didn't keep up with the way you want to evaluate yourselves. And so then you have to work really hard to get out of that hole and get out of that rut. And that is a vicious cycle. Let's listen to verse 8. Listen to the sarcasm here. This is really funny if you just re- think of Paul saying this to them. Um, this is pure sarcasm. He says, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. You're kings. You're, you're royalty. And with that, did you reign so that we might share the rule with you? Hey, can we, can we share, can, as your kings and queens, can we share that with you? Can we be, can we be co-kings and queens with you? Paul is totally trying to make a point here by being very sarcastic, very sarcastic. Um, And then he goes on to verse 9. And this is Paul now turning it a little bit to say, okay, this is how we actually judge. This is how we actually evaluate in light of the true judge who is God. Verse 9, for I think that God has exhibited us as, as apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have been become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. More kind of sarcasm there. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor working with our our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still, like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things." And what do you, you hear echoes of uh, the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount here, right? Like Paul is saying, this is, this is who we are. This is the humility. This is how we've been brought low. This is how we are able to evaluate ourselves correctly. And then at the end there, he, he, he goes down to the bottom of the barrel. He says, scum of the world, the refuse of all things. And these, this, this translation uses scum and refuse, but these descriptors could also mean trash, garbage, 
excrement, sewage. Like this is the, the, the point that Paul is trying to make here. Paul's saying that what is treasured in the kingdom is trash on earth. And who gives us a better example of this is Jesus himself, right? It was treated like garbage. Treated, he, he it was, was humiliated, especially towards the end of his life. Yet he was perfect. He did never do anything wrong, but he was treated like sewage. Mocked, stuff spat on, thrown at, publicly humiliated, tortured, died a horrific death, only designed, uh, only designed for the worst of the worst criminals, and he was perfect and did nothing wrong. This is the model. Jesus is the ultimate model. Now, what Paul is doing here is he's speaking of the upside-down nature of the kingdom, right? This is, this is we, from beginning to end, kind of things that are mentioned in the Bible. The humble will be exalted. The meek will inherit the earth. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. The greatest among you will be your servant. This comes up all throughout the scriptures. This is the ethics. This is how we go about living in the kingdom of God. I decrease so he will increase. This is all throughout the scriptures. And he's reminding them here. He's teaching them what it looks like here. And it's obvious the the Corinthians aren't doing this. Now, I said at the beginning, how we evaluate ourselves and others will tie directly into how much freedom and joy we experience. So I want to get kind of practical here. And I think what goes on um, in, in our hearts. So Paul's we, a lot of focus has been on how we judge others or how we judge our leaders, um, but this also affects how we judge ourselves. So if anything here to come out of this, we, we, the application would be we must pay attention to how we evaluate things. We must pay attention to how we evaluate ourselves and, and also how we evaluate others. So here's the way that typically works, right? We, we evaluate something, and it, it's not accurate, right? Even, even evaluating ourselves in light of something else, it's, it's not accurate. It's not based in reality. And because it's not based in reality, we either overestimate our, our importance. So think of the Pharisees, right? They, were, they thought of themselves as, as really, really important, as really, really moral. Maybe you could say um, people who don't believe in God would overestimate themselves because basically what they're saying is, I can do this thing called life without God. I really don't need God. I don't believe there's a God. I'm kind of the God of my own life. I'm the captain of my own ship. I really don't need an external authority to be able to help me. I'm fine. I've got this. Or maybe it's we're trying, you try to be the ultimate authority in your own life, right? Just someone who says, I'm going to be the ultimate authority. It's my truth. There's no, there's no objective truth. What's, it's my truth. And that is basically saying that's an overestimation of, of ourselves when we have that kind of attitude. Or we underestimate our, our importance. We underestimate our importance. This is, think of the younger brother in, in Luke 15, right? He's coming back to his father, and he just, he's, he feels horrible. Like he, he, he's even imagining, if, 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 if my father would just allow me to be a servant in his field, like on the edge of his field, that's what he, how he sees himself, right? He sees he's under-evaluating himself in that moment. The woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, these are people who, who don't see their value. They're evaluating themselves inaccurately. Um, phrases like, I'll never be pretty enough. I'll never be lovable enough. I'll never be smart enough. I'll never be good enough at that thing. Or I'll never measure up to blank. I'll never measure up to this person. Right? We evaluate ourselves based on these external things, and the evaluation, we cannot live up to it. We cannot, and so we feel ashamed. We, we are filled with 
shamed. And here's the deal. We are hardwired to be approved of. Humanity, we're, we, we, we want approval. That's the way God created us. We just are supposed to find our approval in God rather than anything else. So it's okay to want approval. So when we chase approval and search for approval in other things rather than God will lead to um, not, a, not a sense of freedom and joy, slavery, and, 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 um, and, and feelings of shame. You think of the Pharisee, right? Like he, they overestimated their, their, their worth and their value. What did they have to do? They had to add laws to the Old Testament laws so they could continue to keep up with their, the mask that they put on this persona as like the religious guys, the moral guys. And just being faithful to God's law wasn't enough. So they had to add laws on top of that and add more laws and, add, and more laws. They got caught in this evaluative cycle and they had to keep up with it. They had to perform it. And what did it cause? It caused them to be mean, judgmental, and horrible to people who weren't as moral as they were, right? And if you undervalue yourself, it just continues the cycle of shame because you try to get out of that hole, like I mentioned earlier, by performing, by being better. Well, I'll just do this to be more lovable. I'll just do this to, be, to, to, to get an, an attaboy or an girl, or just some, some approval. Or, or I didn't get that at home from my mom or dad, so I'm going to search for that in another man or a woman. We're going to continue to perform to try to live up to that standard that we've created. So what Paul is saying here and what the scriptures will tell us, I think all throughout the scriptures, is we need to pay attention. Pay close attention to how we evaluate. Pay close attention to how we view ourselves first. And then, obviously, pay attention to how we evaluate others as well. So why were the Corinthians struggling with this, right? And we've seen this the last several weeks in this, in this, in this book. Why were they struggling with it? Because they were looking to the world for wisdom. They were, they were basing, they were being formed, and they were being influenced more by other teachers, other leaders, and the world around them. And they weren't being um, informed and influenced by God primarily. And so their wisdom was misdirected. They, they were looking to that in other Things. They were getting their, uh, their identity from external things like status or intelligence or the ability to achieve and climb the ladder or who they followed or who they were associated with. This is, this is how they were getting their identity. And so Paul is trying to correct that. You think back to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Adam and Eve there in the garden, they decided, and Satan obviously pushed them, the serpent, in, 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 that, in, that, in that story. Um, but they thought, you know what? Like, we don't need God, right? We're, we're the ultimate authority. We can determine what is right and wrong. We can determine what is good and evil. So we're going to make this decision on our own because we think we're the ultimate authority, right? They, were, they, had, a, they had a mis-evaluation of themselves. They, in that moment, they weren't as authoritative as they thought. They weren't as godlike as they thought, and Satan used that. And obviously, they made a terrible decision. What immediately happened? Shame. They, they, they saw they were naked. They were ashamed. They tried to sow fig leaves, which is a terrible idea to try to cover yourself up, right? Cover yourself up with leaves, right? But they, they were desperate because they felt so ashamed. Finally, God has to come in and intervene and gives them proper clothing, right? He actually kills some animals for them, covers them with skins to at least cover their nakedness so they're not ashamed anymore, and then he gives them proper direction. He gives them proper, he steps in as the proper authority in Genesis 3 in that moment. Um, me, I was thinking through this week how this affects me. And this is where you have to really take it and apply it to your own life. What are you, where are you most um, harsh on yourself in this idea of judging and evaluating? Or maybe where do you think of yourself as too, too much or too highly of yourself? So as, as what I'm doing now, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, this is what I do a lot of, this is what I spend my time doing, um, I can get caught in this cycle as well. 
Like I can get caught in thinking occasionally of thinking of myself as, as, as too good of a preacher, right? Maybe I get a couple of compliment, compliments and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this, right? And, and, I, and I forget and I have this overvaluing of my gifts. Or I can hear a couple of negatives or I don't hear any positives for a while and it's like, you know what, maybe I'm not that good of a preacher. Eh, I, I wish I was better or I wish I was this or I wish I was that or I'm not good enough. And what does that do? It causes me to... To, to try to work my way into being a, an acceptable preacher, getting, trying to get in the approval of you all or whoever's listening or whatever um, that, that I'm thought of as a good preacher, right? And that is a terrible way to live because I don't know what all of you think of me. I don't know what people who are watching or listening, I don't, how am I supposed to ever know what people think of me as a preacher? But as I evaluate, oh, I'll, 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 I'll think of, oh, they probably think this or I'll, they probably think that or this is the way people view me, right? I'm just making up things that are deeply affecting my freedom and joy. And so that happens, I think, for all of us. So whatever that thing is for you, where do you put things in the blank on how people are thinking of you? Where are you evaluating yourself in a really inaccurate way? I think that's the first step of application here. And here's the thing about the gospel, right? This is how we're going to end. The gospel is the thing that helps us evaluate ourselves correctly. It does. So the gospel ultimately says that, that, that our evaluation or what, others evaluate, what other people think of us doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things. It doesn't really matter. What matters is what God thinks of us, what God thinks of us. And, and, and what God thinks of us, God ultimately evaluates us based off of what we think of in Jesus, right? He values us because we're made in his image, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, but he accepts you into his family. He, he, he rec- you're reconciled back to him based off of whether you have faith or belief in Jesus or not. This is how he evaluates us. And this changes the way we think about ourselves because if we don't have to, to we don't, we don't want to overestimate ourselves because then we, we think we won't need a God, right? We won't, need any, we won't need a God. I don't need you. I don't want you. Why do I need God? But if we undervalue ourselves, if we under-evaluate ourselves, we'll think, well, I'm worthless. Who would love me? I'm unlovable. No one can love me. You, you can't imagine the things that I have done. God would say, no, that's not right. You're, you're devaluing yourself. You're, you think that you're beyond God's grace and your mercy, and that's not right as well. I want to go back to Luke 15. Luke 15, the story of the younger brother. You remember, because I think it gives us both, both sides here. Early on in this story, the younger brother thought he was pretty great, right? So great that he could just d- demand the father's money, the inheritance. I want my inheritance now. I want to leave and basically, I wish you were dead, but since you aren't dead, I'm just going to go ask for that money now, right? And then I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go do what I want with that money, right? He, he thought he was pretty awesome, right? Definitely over-evaluated himself, right? And, and, and the ability for him to make wise decisions wasn't ready, obviously. Goes off, learns his lesson, right? Comes back, kind of tail between his legs, so to speak, like very, I just, I just, want, I just want my father to accept me. I just want some... The, 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 I want to eat with the servants. You know, I've been eating what pigs eat. I just want to eat with the servants. I just want to be treated like a servant. And remember the father, right? Like he doesn't even have a chance to give this, this speech that he probably was thinking up in his head all the way home. The father runs to him, embraces him. Just, just, just radical love and grace. Doesn't want to hear any apology. The son's home. My son's come home. Let's throw him a party. Let's give him a ring, give him a robe. I love you. I'm so glad you're home. Doesn't say anything about the money he blew. Doesn't say anything about wishing he was dead. He just loves and embraces him. And this is the picture of love 
that God has. Now, the son came home, right? The son had to come home. He had some measure of faith in God because he, he, he thought, okay, my father would at least accept me back like a servant. So this is where the application comes for us. We have to have some faith that God can forgive us and reconcile himself to us in Jesus. But once we have faith, the loving embrace of the father just overwhelms us, grips us, welcomes us into his family, and now we can evaluate ourselves properly. I want to read this quote, and we're going to close, move on to communion. It's from Tim Keller. This is one of the best quotes I've probably ever heard. I think it's so good and something to, to, to remember. We're going to leave it up for a little bit. The gospel is this. He's kind of summing up the gospel. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Like if you really, like, like he's saying, you, we really don't know how sinful we are. Like he's saying, we really don't know how rebellious we are according to God and his holiness. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And that's, that's the correct evaluation, right? That gets both sides of the evaluation. That's the correct evaluation. We can't dream. We can't imagine how much God the Father loves us, cares about us, wants to be with us, wants us to spend time with him. But you got to believe the first one, right? To be able to have faith that he can, that he is a savior. You have to believe that you need a savior before the second one can be true as well. Let's pray. Father, as we move into a time of communion, I ask that you would, um, in, in this space of reflection we're going to have, I pray that you would just help us um, really question our evaluation of ourselves I pray that we would be able to, in this moment, evaluate ourselves as you evaluate us, as sinners who are in need of grace and mercy, but also if we've had faith and we believe in Jesus that we will be welcomed into God's family, that we're loved sons and daughters, that we don't have to perform anymore to have a status. We've been given a status. We've been given an identity. I ask that you would, that your spirit would help make that true and a reality in our life and not just some theological idea or principle that that would change us. It would change the way we, we think about ourselves and view ourselves and then ultimately change the way we, we, we see others and view others and how we evaluate and, and, and judge others. Help us, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.